Okay, so Abraham has set out on a journey, and uh, I said last week we're thinking about this spiritual journey, and uh, maybe relating that to the journey that we're on, uh, both individually and as a church. And uh, as we come together, and we don't really know you very well, you don't know us very well, but God has called us to walk on a journey uh, together. And uh, we're reminded at the beginning of that passage that Ben read for us um, so clearly um, that actually it's a journey not just of one person. Uh, And Lot went with him. The second time that's been said, beginning of chapter 12 and, and the beginning of chapter 13. Lot goes along with Abraham. There's two people plus all their entourage traveling together. And I think that's a bit like our spiritual journeys. Our our journey is about our own journey with God, our own journey where God has led us, but it's also about journeying together uh, with other people, the people that we meet on our journey. If we're part of a church, obviously we journey together as a church or uh, wherever you go, we meet people. And uh, so alone and together we're thinking about today. And we come to verse 6 and we find that uh, the land could not support them together. Uh, I mean, many of you know far more about farming than I do, but I know that every particular portion of land can support a certain number of herds of, of, or flocks, depending on the quality of the land and the acreage. Uh, and there comes a point where if we've got too many people on a small bit of land, uh, then um, it's not going to work. But this, this problem is having a lot in Kenya at the moment because there's been a huge drought, of course, in the north, in Somalia, and the people who live in Turkana have been moving gradually south with their crops to try to get onto the, uh, the more fertile lands in the Rift Valley, uh, and that's when there's been clashes, when, uh, when the, the herdsmen try to bring their, their, their flocks into other people's land. It's exactly the same situation here. Uh, they're on the edge of the desert, and it can't support them. And uh, quarrelling begins between Abraham's herdsmen and Lot's herdsmen. Uh, it reminds me of, of a line from, uh, from, a, from a, um, a cowboy movie. I don't know which one. Some of you may be movie buffs. How about this? This land, this town's not big enough for the both of us. Do you know that one? Uh, can anyone tell me where it comes from? No, okay. No, well, that's all right then. Good. Um, Conflict is part and parcel of journeying together. Uh, And uh, in fact, I think uh, Dietrich uh, Bonhoeffer said uh, about how uh, people who are together in community, how there is a most wonderful and a terrible part of being in community. You know, sometimes we come to conflict and and that happens as we journey together. I was saddened this week to read uh, on one of my friend's um, Facebook posts that uh, Alan Crider had died. Now, you, I don't know if you've ever heard of Alan Crider, but he was a Baptist minister, American. Um, he's a, a Mennonite. And Alan and Eleanor Crider had a fantastic ministry, and particularly the Mennonites have a lot of, of, of uh, reconciliation and peacekeeping ministry. And I've been on some courses that they've run about how to deal with conflicts and things, and Tremendous wisdom from here. So I was very sad to hear that Alan had, had died this week. And so Abraham says to Lot, let's not quarrel, you and I. And our herdsmen, let's, let's not quarrel about this. Um, and he gives a very good reason. We are brothers. Well, of course, you know that they're not brothers. 
it's uncle and nephew. But what's he talking about? We are brothers uh, in God, in our family. And, and in, in, in another sense, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And uh, we are called together. Uh, there, there, there do come times uh, in every community where there are quarrel, there's quarrels or disagreements, there are problems, there is conflict. But here is the, here is the, the, the reason for working this out. We are brothers. Therefore, we need to work this out. And so, uh, Abraham has this idea, which illustrated by the bit of cake. Uh, the whole land is before you. Let's not quarrel. Let's part company and make our own way in the world. And if you go to the left, I will go to the right. If, I, if you go to the right, I will go to the left. And then, Abraham was very gracious. Uh, he didn't have the knife to cut the cake, but he did give his nephew... Uh, the choice. Now, Abraham could have insisted on his choice, but actually, that's a very gracious position, isn't it? And if you begin a negotiation from a position of grace, actually, you may be more able to succeed than if you begin with a position of force. I don't know, just a thought. Anyway, there's different ways. Uh, and it worked, because actually, uh, Lot saw this wonderful plain of the Jordan uh, with uh, water courses, and, and it all seemed to be uh, a rather good place to live, good pasture. So Lot takes that and leaves Abraham, actually, the land of promise. And it struck me that there's a contrast here between land that promised much and the land of promise. Looking at the land, it promised much. Wow, my, my cattle will get really fat in this valley with all this water and this pasture. But actually, the land of promise is the one that has been given to Abraham with a promise of blessing. It may have looked less attractive, but it came with a promise. And so, in this story, the conflict is resolved amicably. The relationship is maintained, but they continue to journey on apart, rather than trying to work it out together, which seems a sensible um, thing. Now, you notice in the next chapter, actually, the relationship is, is still good because Lot gets into a lot of trouble when war breaks out in Sodom and, and Gomorrah and that area, and Abraham goes to rescue him. So, actually, they're, they're still uh, you know, in good relationship. It, it was a very good uh, way of resolving it. There's a very key verse in the Bible, which um, I often come back to Isaiah chapter 30. Whenever I go on a, on a retreat... Uh, it's always Isaiah 30 that seems to come back to me. And um, Isaiah 30, 21 is a particularly important verse, I think. God says to Israel, whether you turn to the right or the left, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Now, some people seem to have a picture of God that says God has got this plan mapped out for your life and your role is to get the choice right every time. You must get God's choice. And there's, there's God like a big sort of Anne Robinson, uh, you know, standing behind you. And if you take, the, if you take the, the right path, she says, well done. But if you take the wrong choice, you are the weakest link, goodbye. You know? Uh, some people have an idea of God like that. And if you make the wrong choice, God says, oh, tough. 
Actually, God isn't like that. This is a very good picture of God. Whether you turn to the right or the left, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Actually, God, does it, although he does have a plan for our lives, he gives us choices on the way. Now, there's a massive topic here, which I'm certainly not going to sort, sort today, about predestination and free will. But actually, there are genuine choices that we make in life. And God's not trying to trip you up but he does give you a choice. But whichever way you choose, he says, I'm going to walk with you. So uh, Lot disappears into the plain and goes and camps near Sodom. God is with him. Abraham moves to the mountains and the hills of Canaan. God is with him there. I will go whether you go to the left or the right. I think it's an extremely important verse. And maybe we can unpack that and think about that uh, in, in, in the next months and things. But, you know, the Bible is full of people who come into conflict. Uh, it doesn't take long from the idyllic situation of uh, Genesis chapter uh, uh, 2, where, where they're living in the garden, uh, to have uh, uh, the Genesis 3, the fall. And what happens in the next chapter? The two brothers, Cain and Abel, fall out so big time that one lands up murdering the other. So that's a really bad conflict, isn't it? Right in the, right the beginning of the Bible... Uh, it kind of set the scene for everything that's come afterwards, really. But think about Abraham. Think about Abraham's uh, grandson, Jacob. Jacob, when he saw the twins, that Jacob is a deceiver, uh, he gives Esau a bad time, really. They, they fall out big time. But have a look at the end of the story. Jacob and Esau are reunited. They're reconciled. They work it out. And so there's a good example of conflict resolution. What about Paul and Barnabas? Two really close colleagues. Uh, off on their missionary journeys together, uh, but there comes a point where they disagree about whether to take John Mark or not. Uh, Paul says, I don't want to take him because he let us down. Barnabas says, uh, uh, well, he's my cousin, actually, but Barnabas says, uh, I do want to take him. And they fall about so sharply that they part ways and go two different directions. But read... Paul's letters, especially the greetings at the end. And you will find that later on, Paul and Barnabas are now reconciled, serving God together, that they're working for God, even if they've travelled a different path. Do you know, I think that's a wonderful sign uh, of, of gospel, of good news, when people are, um, their differences are reconciled. In 1987, at my church in, in Totterdown, um, there was, uh, I wasn't there then, by the way, um, there was a, a major church split. And um, a lot of people left the church at that time. And one particular group set off and formed a church that met in the local community hall, um, an evangelical church. And a few people carried on, soldiered on, and kept the church going. I've always affirmed those people for keeping and stick in there. But, but actually, this group split away. And for five years, they didn't have a minister. And then they've had a series of three different ministers. Um, and, um, do you know, uh, not many people in the church now remember what that was about. Um, but one of the most encouraging things that happened to me in all my 11 years was when a man started coming back to worship who was the young deacon who led away the split. And uh, he, he came to church one day, and I'd been to 
visit him and got to know him a little bit. And it was going to be very, very painful for him to come back. But he came back. And not only that, had been to visit the minister that he'd had a fallout with and apologised. There was a very tearful reunion on the doorstep, I've, I've been told. Um, but isn't that, 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 to me, sums up what church is. If I were to give a definition of church, it is a community of reconciliation. It has to be, because each one of us has been reconciled to God. And because we're reconciled to God, we must be reconciled to one another. Now, that is not saying that some things that have happened in the past are, are, are not painful. They certainly are. But, but that's what must happen, isn't it? How can we be reconciled to God and not reconciled to our brother? Indeed. So, this is what's happening in Abraham's journeys. So, Abraham begins to journey alone. But, of course, the whole story is opening up. And the Lord says to him, this is in verse 14, lift up your eyes from where you are. (laughs) Not lift up your eyes where you want to be. Lift up your eyes from where you are. Look to the north and the south and the east and the west. And then he gives him this promise. All the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. Lift up your eyes from where you are. Um, Now, this comes with an apology. First of all to Margaret, because Margaret is American. Is anyone Irish here? Karen knows what's coming. Good. Well, apologize if you are. This is a story about um, a little um, Irish... A peasant farmer who um, has a visit one day from a Texan rancher. And uh, the Texan rancher drives in in his enormous truck into the Irishman's farm and says, Say, fellow, how much land have you got here? And the Irishman says, uh, Well, you see this land? From that big tree over there, right down to the dock pond, right up to the end of the field, right back to the house, all this land is mine. And the American says, well, fellow, he said, if I got in my truck at 8 o'clock in the morning, drove till 10 o'clock, had coffee, drove for another ten hour, two hours, I still wouldn't have got to the end of my ranch. And the Irishman says, I used to have a truck like that. Lift up your eyes and see, is what God says. And and how many of us can only see the broken down truck and can't see the big ranch? Isn't that what God wants to do? To lift our eyes to the big vision of what he is doing instead of concentrating on our broken down truck. Well, that's what God wants us to do. So that's his message to us. He says, uh, lift up your eyes and see. All the land that you see I will give to you and your offspring. Well, there's the other part of that promise, that Abraham's going to have offspring. uh, And the offspring are so, so, um, what's the word? Numerous, that's the word. So numerous uh, that they're like dust. You try counting the grains of dust in, in, in our house. There's no dust in my house because my wife's so good at dusting. But in everybody else's house. Um, that's God's promise. God has got such a big vision, hasn't he? Uh, the whole of creation. 
um, and um, we, we could go on. Um, the, the other passage is, is when, uh, in, in Isaiah 49, that where um, Israel is saying, woe is me, I, I am just, uh, I'm broken down, I've, I've got no energy left, I'm spent, I've had it. And, and God says to them, uh, he says, come on, you are, you're going to be a light to the Gentiles. You're not just going to be to, to, break, to, to raise up this little race called Israel. You're going to be a people who bring a light to the Gentiles. He gives them an even bigger task to do. So our God is a God who has a, a long vision and he wants to, be a rec- to, to, he wants to build us into a, a, into a community of reconciliation. And so there's a command at the end of here. Go walk through the length and breadth of the land. There's a command. Go and walk. Just go out. You know? So when you're out tomorrow driving your tractor or uh, whatever you're doing on your work, playing with your computer, or not playing, working at your computer, yeah, designing your graphics or... Uh, working with children, or whatever you're doing, actually to go out and to go into the land knowing that God has got a vision for it. Isn't that wonderful? Well, we don't know what it's going to look like yet. But here is the promise. I am giving it to you. It is a gift. We don't make it happen, except that we have to just go. Like Abraham didn't make it happen. He just had to go where God told him. And that's what we want to do. And I hope that's what we're going to do together.